bravely with the problem, but have finally given up, declaring that it doesn't matter anyway. Some theorists lead one to the conclusion that literary theory does not really exist as an independent discipline. There is, many claim, just theory, theory, about everything, from literature to lesbianism, from hooliganism to horror films. Since many books are to be found with the phrases literary theory or theory of literature in their titles, however, it is clear that there is a body of thought to which the terms can be applied. There is a kind of theory with literature as its focus. This is an important fact to establish, because there are other kinds of theory such as critical theory and cultural theory, which rely on the same theorists and schools of thought as literary theory. The difference between them all is clearly one of focus and attention. The theorists and schools of thought considered in this book have in common the fact that they challenge common-sense notions of what literature is. They often question our assumptions about great literature and propose different ways to analyse and evaluate it. However, any vague statement about literature, such as all literature is escapist, does not constitute a theory. It must meet more stringent requirements to be considered both valuable and valid. What counts as theory? Clearly, in the first instance, a theory must attempt to explain something. Its proponents may believe that it does this successfully, but others may not. Jonathan Culler, an eminent popularizer of literary theory, has made a useful distinction. To count as a theory, not only must an explanation not be obvious, it should involve a certain complexity. Culler, 1997. Unfortunately, many theorists have not only recognised this basic truth, but have taken it too passionately to heart, cloaking their insights in obscure language. Yet it is clearly true that new understanding often comes only after developing a model of some complexity in the mind. Literature in all its forms treats of human life, its nature and problems, its mode of existence, its ways of coexistence and thought, and its belief systems. Any theory about these phenomena can therefore be considered relevant to the study of literature. However, the actual application of such theories is a complex procedure, fraught with pitfalls to which the revered academic, as much as the novice scholar, is disturbingly liable to succumb. Misinterpretation, false analogy, unfounded generalisation, reductive argument. All these hazards lie in wait for the unsuspecting critic. It is also, therefore, in the nature of theory that not only does it have some complexity, but that it's also often difficult to prove or disprove. A theory may sound very convincing, but can it be proved to have validity? If it cannot be proved, does it thereby lose its usefulness? And what would constitute proof or disproof of any given theory? Does it finally matter whether it can be proved or not? These are questions which it's difficult enough to answer in the fields of the so-called natural sciences and in sociology, psychology and other disciplines. What of literary theory? It would seem wise to consider first exactly what the object of study is. What is literature? Because many theorists have been primarily concerned with phenomena other than literature, psychoanalysts with the human mind, Marxists with human existence in a capitalist society, etc., it's often been of only secondary importance to them whether a text they're considering can be deemed to be literary or not. Often the same methodology is applied in analysing texts, which may resemble each other in many ways, but which must be identified differently. One can imagine, for example, one text which is a short story told in the first person, taking the form of a confession to a murder, and another text which is an actual signed confession by a real murderer. They might be almost identical in language, structure and content, 
The important difference is, of course, that the reader knows that one is a story and the other a real confession, and judges them accordingly. In the case of the story, the reader might consider whether or not it was realistic, or whether or not the character was telling the truth, but would not need to question whether or not it was an authentic document written by the person named. In the case of the real confession, it would be possible in principle to check its truth content against known facts. This would not be possible, nor would it be relevant in the case of the story. The reader thinks this way because he or she knows that the story is a literary text. But how is it obvious that the text has a quality which we call literariness? It would seem that a definition of literariness should be of urgent concern. Yet the authors of books on literary theory provide no such adequate definition. This is likely to be due to the nature of language as much as to the incompetence of theorists. The lack of a definition which could be applied to all works regarded as literature is not...